Hello, my name is Dotun Holo Poroku, and this is Building the Future Podcast. believe the African story will be written by Africans and there are people crafting the narrative now. This podcast is a series of conversations with people whose ideas and work is shaping the African future. My guest today is Yale Bademosi. Yale is the founder of Microtraction, an angel investment platform that funds Africa's tech entrepreneurs in their early stage. Microtraction is one of the most active angel investment firms in Nigeria. Yale and I have known each other for some time. We've worked together closely in the past. When he became the first person to join my previous company, Starter, barely a few weeks after it was founded in late 2015. It is quite fitting that Yale is the first guest on season four of this podcast after a long break. We recorded this episode in late 2019 before COVID, so a lot of things we talked about might be out of kilter with the current post-COVID war realities. This is the first of the two-part interview. In this episode, we talked about how he started his career and why he left medicine to pursue a whole different path. We also talked about leadership, growth, and how good relationships often create a funnel of positive serendipity. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. So welcome, Yale, to Building the Future podcast. Thanks for having me, Dotsu. It's been a long time that we've been talking about this, and it's a conversation we've also had about maybe one or two years ago. Yes, definitely. And actually, we were ideating this podcast mm-hmm. together, so you knew everything before it started, and mm-hmm. we're going to delve into our history together, working together as a starter, and also working together on many other projects and our journey. So... I want to architect our conversation today because it's going to be a lot into many things. Uh, I want to architect it into different parts. One okay. is we talk about you and I, our story and how you came back to Nigeria and the time that I was about to start a business. And I want to inch that around what I call human chain of serendipity. That was the core of what mm-hmm. I talked about a few weeks ago when I was doing a TEDx talk and I referenced our journey together. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that and mm-hmm. how that can affect the way people hire work with uh, a team member, work together, catalyze each other's journey and do dynamic relationships between people that are initially employer-employee but then become partner over yeah, time. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Then mm-hmm. we'll talk about what you then end up doing, which is uh, microtraction. The thesis behind that, mm-hmm. your idea around it and and what you're trying to prove Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. with microtraction. And then we talk about Binance Lab and a lot of conversation around cryptocurrency, (laughs) blockchain, and your ideas of how that could revolutionize and change the way value is created and Mm -hmm. transferred in Mm -hmm. in, in the future, especially in Africa. And then we talk about random things that you and I talk about most of the time when we meet, (laughs) about credit, about ecosystem, about startup, about Uh the future in Africa, and those things that actually bring us together. So let's start with this story. Let's start Mm -hmm. with Yale before you met me, and then Yale after your journey into the Nigerian startup ecosystem. I grew up in Nigeria, uh, specifically Ibadan, Oyo State, when I was there for 14 years before moving to the UK when I was 14 or 15 and I was on track to study medicine. I got into King's College London and I was in medical school for over three years before I realized that this is not what I wanted to do. And, you know, I think the moment I got into or understood to the, the, the world of technology and entrepreneurship, it felt like a right fit. And at the time, I didn't have anyone in my network close friends or family members that were into tech and startups. 
I even knew anything about computer programming. So it was a very, very new world for me, but it just felt right. I think quite early on, I've always felt that what motivates me or drives me is about the kind of impact I can have, not at the world in general, but like on the continent. I've always knew that I wanted to be moved back to Nigeria. And I felt technology and startups was kind of like that pathway to do this. So I dropped out of medical school and I started a startup. I had no idea what I was doing. I always say that I probably did everything wrong a startup founder can do, but it was still a fantastic experience because I went from having no idea about coding and mobile apps to becoming technical, building my network. I had to shut down that business and myself and a friend, we ran like a product studio where we're building apps and websites for individuals and businesses in the UK. I remember very clearly when one of my friends sent me this, I think it was a tech point article of Mac SEN raising $1 million from EcoVC. And I was like, wow, like this is super, super interesting because here is a Nigerian founder raising a million dollars from a Nigerian VC. So that, that one was a watershed moment. And I remember a couple of conversations I had with some of the OGs in the UK ecosystem. And I felt like ecosystem in London five, seven years ago was sounded kind of similar to some of the things that I was reading about, you know, online. And I knew like, you know what, like I want to be, I want to move back. And so I decided to move back, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, I think then I, I don't know if I told you this, but then I thought I wanted to come back and start this food delivery business. Yeah, we mentioned that the first yeah, time we yeah, met yeah. actually. I wanted to do this food delivery business and I was like, okay, I need to figure out how do I go from this idea to execution. But the first step was like, I knew I had to be in Lagos. Like I knew that I couldn't be in Ibadan because... The ecosystem then was small, but at least Lagos had something. So the plan was saying, okay, what do I need to do to be in Lagos? And that was when, you know, the serendipity of me reading the Tech Cabal article that was called A Returning Angel's Perspective on the Lagos Tech Ecosystem. And that was this, you know, read about Dutta and I was like, wow, this guy seems quite interesting. I like his background. And I think fundamentally, like a couple of key theses that you had or like key points that I wrote in that article. And I was like, I 100% agree with this. And to try to remember how I, I'm not sure if you had your email somewhere. What I know is that I got your email and I sent you a cold email on Christmas Day. I think it was Christmas Day. Yeah. Christmas 24th or 25th or something. Yeah, you sent it just before Christmas. Yeah. Maybe 24th. And then we had a meeting on Christmas. Oh, I replied to you on Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, thankfully, I'm very happy that you responded to that email because I think a lot of what I do today comes from that particular period of us working together at Stata and, you know, allowing me to be in the tech ecosystem. Because at this point in time, I didn't know anyone. And... I think when I joined Stata, like I had kind of like a few objectives. One was number one, move to Lagos. Number two was build a network of people in, within the Nigerian tech ecosystem. And then number three was figure out what I would love to do after Stata. And I felt like those objectives were met. And one of the things that I've personally learned from you and I continue to practice, you know, at every single company or any team that I've managed is really understanding people's personal development goals and what they're trying to achieve and trying to align that with your own company objectives. I think creating that alignment between an individual's goals and your company's goals, when that alignment happens, then you can create a lot of magic together. So Yeah, actually, I want us to talk a little bit about that because that idea was not original 
to me as well. Mm. I learned a lot of it from one of the angel investors that have been very instrumental to my becoming an investor now, and, or, but also supported me a lot when I was raising money for my business and mm-hmm. being the most supportive person, Doug Scott. Mm. And he is very big on that kind of thesis around what is your personal goal? What do you want to achieve? And mm-hmm. how does that fit into the company's goal? Mm. And and a lot of it was also expatiated in the book by Ridoffman, mm-hmm. The Alliance. And there's a lot of things around the power of duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book really explained what Doug was talking about. Mm. And I read that book as well. So every project I want to hire, the, actually the significant people that I'm hiring is about how do we work together? How do mm-hmm. we have the alliance? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to achieve? And mm-hmm. how does it fit into the company's mm. goal? And it actually affects the way I hire as well. Yeah, of course. If, if there's no alignment, then there's no it's going to be, yeah. But let's talk a little bit about that and how that works with you. I remember that conversation we had the first time. Mm-hmm. It was you saying, oh, I want to be in Nigeria. I want to be strong in because I want to build my network. Actually, you're in Nigeria, then you want to move to Lagos. Lagos. Mm-hmm. You want to build your network. You, you're thinking of starting a delivery company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew that delivery company in Nigeria is going to be a very <laughs> bad one. I was okay, fine. Anyway, you want to do that? I still, I still, you know, it's funny. Like, I was still fund an entrepreneur who wants to solve that problem. I still think the opportunity exists. It's just I'm not the one that's going to go after it. There are so many things around it about, okay, the, the, the takeaway culture, the traffic, the locality of it, the payment, so many, many things. Okay, but let's go into that now. So, but the core thing was that I realized that this is an ambitious person who wants to build a business mm. and we need to be at the core of the ecosystem mm-hmm. and you were like me then too I was coming back to Nigeria I've, I've not moved back to Nigeria by then mm-hmm. I was just coming in and I was starting a business and I knew that the challenges in Nigeria provides opportunity that can be solved using innovation and technology yep. And we need a lot of founders that can do that. Mm-hmm. And I also wrote, actually, one of the things I wrote in that article was that there will be lots of failures in the of ecosystem course. and the failure will calcify the ecosystem. Mm. So I, I'm a strong believer. You just need more people to come and build business. Whether yes. I succeed or not, fine. Yeah. So when I realized that, okay, you're about to do food delivery business. I was just about to exit the food <laughs> delivery business. Okay, fine. <laughs> you're going to learn and just come and work with me. And then let's talk about what, what we discussed, then, which is Yale wanted to do this and then you can come and work with me. I will introduce to everybody that I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you, then you can learn and mm-hmm. build and then you can go on to do your own thing. Yeah. But how was the experience for you like? Because then you came in to start and you're working 100%. You were yeah, yeah, like, yeah. okay, I'm doing my own side thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're working like part owner and starter, even yeah, yeah. though it was a journey to something else. But what was your perspective then and how do you approach that opportunity to yeah. work with me? So I think very early on, I, I'm someone who loves reading biographies. I think success leaves clues. And in one of our recent partners sort of like used that phrase of success leaves clues. And I now added something else and that sort of like failures leave insights, right? Mm. And for me, one of the things that I've, I've picked up from so many biographies is that anyone who does anything in the world usually has some senior partner or someone that showed you the way and opened up their doors, right? And the reciprocal sort of like behavior is that that individual, you're meant to try to support that particular person who's opened up their network. And so because fundamentally me and you already had that alignment in terms of saying, we felt at the time that there was a knowledge gap in the ecosystem, that there was a lot of the advice that was like online was primarily for Western founders or people in the US or in Europe and rarely having anyone talk about things from an African founder or African market perspective, you know. Today, there's like content, people are writing content and stuff, but like four years ago, there was hardly, you know, anyone was doing anything Africa focused on startups and from a content perspective. 
And so for me, that alignment was very clear, right? And so that just allowed me to commit 100%. I really, really enjoyed sort of like, you know, working at Stata. I think we had like very ambitious and crazy growth targets. So we'll check in on a weekly basis and see some of the experiments that we've run and how many email subscribers that we have, our, our Twitter <laughs> followers and all these types of stuff. So, so for me, like I was like learning on the job, you know, I was just excited. I was like, wow, like I moved back. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I didn't have like a plan. And like, here was I, you know, working with this individual that I actually feel like I can learn a lot from. And I knew that we were going to figure out, you know, the next thing. Every week was a new opportunity to try something, <laughs> learn something. We had some failures. I mean, I don't know if you're going to go into the details of everything that we did at Startup. But we, we can, did, actually. You know, some of the details, we, yeah. I mean, we did everything, right? Like, we had consulting. We did some growth stuff. You know, we, we did events. We did events. You know, we, we did silicon drink up. Silicon drink up. <laughs> And funny enough, right, I always tell people that like one of the key things that made me think about microtraction was because of Silicon Drink Up. So in the like our thesis for Silicon Drink Up, one of the events that we did, one of our sort of like, you know, key events at, at Starter was there was no interface or opportunity that connected African entrepreneurs with investors. And so we were like, okay, we're going to invite, you know, angels and people that are interested in investing in startups and we would select a few companies that applied and create this environment for people to meet in an informal setting. But we did that two or three over the course of a year. And I'm not quite sure like anyone wrote a particular check from you know the event. And I remember thinking, what is the disconnect? Like, why is it the quality of the companies? Is it sort of like investors not having enough context about what's going on? And that was when I realized that actually we needed an institutional angel investor that would take on that first risk, right? So Funny enough, with microtraction, I don't want to go into that yet, but with microtraction, a lot of that initial follow-on funding doesn't come from institutional investors. It comes from angels, right? So we kind of like created the market that made it more comfortable for angel investors to start investing. And so for me, I think it was a fantastic experience and your management style has definitely been something that I've kind of replicated at Microtraction, you know, at Binance Labs and a variety of projects that I've been, you know, opportune to work on, which is saying, you know, how do I find ambitious individuals who are trying to have an impact on the continent? How do I discover alignment between their personal goals and ideal outcomes? And then allowing that individual to have that freedom and flexibility to grow within the organization I think like more and more founders and more and more entrepreneurs, managers have to have that mindset. And if you do, then you'd be very surprised at kind of like the out of the team. Yeah. There are a few things that we can tease out from that time. As you were learning, I was learning as well to mm-hmm. manage people, to manage very strong, ambitious individuals mm-hmm. that I was able to attract and start then. But also there are a few things around managing people remotely mm-hmm. because I was in based in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what are the key things that you need to put in place to do that? Uh-huh. Like weekly, actually we do a daily stand-up. Daily, we do yeah. daily stand-up. On we Slack. had like our spreadsheets and like our key metrics yes. and sort of like tracking the percentage growth rate will be like, when is the growth 7% week on week? Like, where are we? You know, when I speak to entrepreneurs and I'm sort of like giving them advice on like growth, they actually want wondering like, like how do you have a lot of knowledge around growth? Because there wasn't like a startup, a consumer facing or business facing startup. But I keep saying that there's a lot of my experience from startup, right? Where we realize that growth itself is actually a series of coordinated experiments towards mm. uh, a quantified outcome with clear hypotheses, right? And once you have that kind of like framework, 
you can apply that to almost any business types. Obviously, over time, you know, when you've seen over 1,700 businesses, you begin to see kind of like similarities and ideas of what can work or not work. But the core growth principles, I learned that from Starter, hands down. Yeah, I'm also learning a lot from that during that time as well, because we're trying to figure out what is our key number one metric that we're <laughs> focusing on. And it started moving over time. Initially, our email subscriber yeah. and then later, actually, revenue or, st- or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or conversion. But the key thing I want, I mean, we can talk about so many things around Starter, the growth, the ecosystem. We are actually badging into the ecosystem. Yes, we're we not part of the ecosystem. You and I were from England. <laughs> we're outsiders. <laughs> we <came laughs> like, who are these guys? <laughs> we just badged in and then we're just doing events. Webinars. Like, many people still do webinars still today. <laughs> yeah. we, we were one of the first people to do webinars. We did webinars. <laughs> we, were doing, like, we did a conference that yeah, was massive. High Africa and summit. people were thinking, who are these guys? And people, I want to come to your office. We don't have an office. office. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many of you? Only three of us. We have me, you, and then there was the lady writing stuff. We're just, and where are you based? We're not, we're based nowhere. We don't even have a, we're not even working I mean, for many co-working space. So here was this company that was like, seemed like we were in the middle of the ecosystem, <laughs> but one of the two members was in London, the other person was in Ibadan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so, so many things there. It was really very, very pirate oh, in, in an approach. But the key thing I want to dwell on is that, and I think there's so many things that we can tease out here. It's mm-hmm. about that relationship between employer and employee, but yeah. partnership. Yes. We're working together. Yeah. But more importantly about the idea that you do not expect your employee or someone working with you to work with you for, mm-hmm. forever. Yes, yes. And I think that's yes. this is about the alliance that you don't lie to each other and say, yeah. okay, I'm going to work with you forever and I'm expecting you to, and I know that I can fire you, but mm-hmm. you know you can leave as well. Mm-hmm. I knew that there would be a time that Yele is going to move on, but what are we going to achieve together? Yes. And how will that contribute to Yele's path yes. to going to what it yes. wants to do later on down in the future. And you're very intentional about that. And I keep saying that I'm not convinced that if I was in another company at the time, and even sometimes it's weird for me to say like boss, because like, you know, we, our relationship evolved from an employee-employer relationship to one that genuinely felt like a partnership. And everything that I've done after that, I keep looking for those types of relationships. Even like, I'm sure we'll talk about like microtraction as well. And it was very, very similar. And I think like it's something that more and more people have to be willing to try. If there's an ambitious, you know, young upstart individual, this person can be a tremendous asset. So I just employed someone is an engineer who's still doing his IT for eight months, right? What was interesting was that I didn't look at CVs because I didn't, I didn't want to sort of like have any biases. So we just had like our process and it was at the end of the whole selection process after going through about 110 highly referred developers from like the, one of the top CTOs, you know, this guy sort of like ranked in the top 10. And then I found out that like he's still in university and he has his IT for eight months. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter that, that I have this eight months. I'm like, what can we do within this particular eight months? And it's, it's been a huge asset for the team. And so I think like, you know, that's kind of like an extreme example. I'm comfortable with that because of a lot of the stuff that we've done over the last sort of like four to five years. But I think it's very important as, you know, managers, as founders to be very explicit about discovering and figuring out kind of like alignment between you and your employees and trying to make sure that you, it's more than just sort of like this monthly salary or compensation at the end of the day. Right. If someone believes that they can become a better version of themselves by working within your organization and they also believe that they can grow and develop like the right skill sets, 
then they actually are going to be, you know, a lot more committed, you know, to you. And if the time comes that they want to move on, they will still want you to be involved in the next thing. And that's kind of like what has always been, you know, like me and you worked together very closely for a year, but like three years later, we still talk about everything and it's just gone beyond just an employee-employer relationship. And that's very key to have that partnership mm-hmm. mindset that everybody that's working with me, they are partnering, they're selling a service. Mm-hmm. Not to me, but to the company. And I'm selling a service to the company as well, even mm-hmm. though I started it. Mm-hmm. But we are all partners together. Mm-hmm. And the person is working for themselves as much as they're working for yep. me and my company or, yep. or thereabouts. Yep. But let's move on to microtraction and how that evolved from you wanted to do a food delivery business. <laughs> you talked a bit, a bit about what inspired that, but I want to yeah. talk more about the, the thesis, the formation of it, and what is it that you're trying to prove? Yeah. Remember, one of the three things I said when I joined Stato was the my outcomes were, number one, move to Lagos, which I think we achieved that. Thanks for paying my first uh, house rent. <laughs> so that's actually paid for the rent of my first house in Lagos. So I'm very grateful. It was moving to Lagos. Number two was building a network. I mean, like because of the events and some of the things that we had done, the webinars and, and whatnot, you know, we knew sort of like the VC firms, we knew some of like the venture backed founders, we knew, you know, other ecosystem players. So we went from sort of like being outsiders to being part of the ecosystem and being part of the community and playing our role and doing that. And, and the third thing was figuring out what next. So I always tell people that like, I'm not an investor, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm actually an operator. Like, I enjoy the nitty-gritty of business. And I guess that's why I love our founders, love love microtraction as a fund. But one of the things that I said was quite clear was also realizing that you can't have ecosystem where you don't have a lot of angel capital going in. And, you know, we have the Lagos Angel Network, but that's still not enough. You know, like, you compare it to, you know, the US and you look at, like, AngelList and London, and with SEIS, which is a tax incentive by, by the government to encourage more investments into startups in, in the UK. And you could see that the availability of capital increases the number of companies that are being formed. And at the end of the day, I think there's one of the founders of, of, I think, White Star Capital in the UK. He had this venture funnel where he showed you sort of like the percentages of how many companies go from angel funding all the way through to unicorn. And it was, it was quite, in, it compared the UK and the Europe and, and the US, and the actual percentages or the conversion rate was quite similar. Mm-hmm. The difference was the amount of companies that were being funded at the top of the funnel, right? So I can't remember the exact numbers and in the, in the announcement post microtraction, if I put that up, I think the, like maybe the, the magnitude was like between 3x between the US and, and the UK. And that, that sort of like showed you the outcomes. And so in my head, I was like, what does the top of the funnel look like for African startups, right? Right? And if I'm being honest, I don't think we solved that problem. And obviously, over time, I've learned that the problem is a little bit more nuanced. But at the, at, at the time, I said there has to be a lot more companies being funded at the angel stage. And even if microtraction sort of like figures out the model, right, upon which other angel funds should be kickstarted and be funding African startups, then we're successful, right? So, you know, microtraction is pretty much an open application for funding. That is, mm-hmm. you don't have to know us. You can apply via our website all year round, you know, uh, 24-7, and you have a chance of getting funded. And I think over the last four years, especially within the Nigerian ecosystem, a lot more sort of like funds have been kickstarted that also have a similar thing, right? And there'll be more funds started in that vein than incubation programs. Interesting. Right? And so I developed sort of like this thought thesis that incubation programs and accelerator programs cannot work in Africa, right? And so let me... Why is that? 
So I'll break that down. So number one is, if you look at the number of like venture-backed companies, companies that raise over a million dollars, very few of them have gone through an incubation program. Generally or in Africa? In Africa, in Africa. Okay. And so for me, I said, okay, that means there's, there's something wrong because every year there are companies that raise sort of like millions of dollars, but very few of those companies went through an incubation program. But well, isn't that correlation is not equal to causation? Of course. That's kind of like the kind of like first interesting, you know, correlation that I, I saw in the ecosystem. Then I thought from first principles why. I've been opportune to go for YC's demo day and you will literally see 2,000 investors who have written a 100K check into at least two to three companies in the last 24 months, right? In any African market, so Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, I'll be hard-pressed to find 50 investors that have written, you know, 25K into two companies in, you know, a 12-month period. And so that means you can't even have a demo day, right? So the biggest thing that incubator programs do is the success of the demo day. Where a founder knows that as a result of going through this program, I can raise capital. If you can't have 50 investors, then your demo day is not going to be successful, no matter how well polished the pitch is and bringing these investors into the room. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is that you also can't, pre- you can't predict the rate and quality of company formation in a 12-month period. Meaning that you could go through, and this is an hypothesis by the way, but and for micro-traction, it was proven out this year. That is, you could go through a six-month period where there are no any exciting companies. So micro-traction funded, I think, two companies in the first three quarters of the year. And in the final three quarters, we're on track maybe to do about maybe six to eight investments, Right. And that just shows you that they, you, you know, you cannot like the rate at which companies are being formed varies. Now, if you're so doing, you could put that into a schedule and say open application at this time. Times, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because and the problem with that is that what would happen is you would have, let's say, a batch of eight companies and then only two of them are really strong. But to make up your batch of eight, you then make six suboptimal investments. Right. So you're optimizing for best in class rather than best companies. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So for us, that, that's a capital inefficiency. Then the final point is for most incubation programs, you will spend about 80% of your capital on like OPEX, running the program, you know, the infrastructure. And one of the big macro shifts that happened when we started micro traction was there was now a number of like, you know, workspaces, right? There was like those workstation. There was, you know, there were a bunch of them, you know, passion had some workspaces. Even the Lagos state government was was giving out vouchers for entrepreneurs to basically get access to workspaces for free. So when when the likes of like Idea Hub and CC Hub got started, that, was, that infrastructure wasn't available, which meant that alongside capital, you had to provide that infrastructure. So for us, we were like, okay, we can remove the high OPEX, we can be more capital efficient, and then we also don't do demo days because demo days actually are quite expensive to run. Since demo days do investor interest, right? We build a relationship with investors, and we have an idea of like the thesis, kind of like the check sizes, and when the companies are ready to raise capital, we facilitate those introductions. And our model has worked, right? We have a hundred percent follow-on for all of the companies that all we the fund. Companies you all of our companies that have raised follow-on follow-on. funding. Yes. Interesting. We've seen sort of like 18x, and I'm, those numbers are old because some of our companies have raised more capital and we've also started deploying new investments. But when we were at 10 companies, we were up by 18x in the last sort of like 18 months. Yeah, we can talk about that later about how you come in, the price 
pricing, because that's a factor of a lot of things. Of course. Uh, the, way, the selection and the pricing that you have at the beginning yes. that affect that multiple. Yes, of course. But well, let's talk about, I, mean, I want to really dwell on that, your idea around the why incubation and accelerator programs still work in Africa. Mm-hmm. By the way, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the key things that I had as well, that I, I thought that you're not, you only accelerate if there's something to accelerate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the most important thing you accelerate to for C stage company is capital. Mm-hmm. And if there is not enough capital. escalator, mm-hmm. it's not just enough capital. The escalator is not that long. Yeah. In the sense that you, you have seed investor and then maybe nothing in between. Yeah. And and then you don't have a lot of angels yes. uh, that could do post seed and you don't have a lot of institutional investors. So mm-hmm. you don't have that complex and sophisticated investing risk capital ecosystem mm. like, like you have in the Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. as don't work a lot in the UK mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. With so much SEIS, it doesn't work as much as it works in the Valley. Yeah. <laughs> the Valley is the only place that where it works that much. So, <laughs> but, but I really wanted to tease out some of your point, but that good point around and the fact that there's not enough angel, then there is then the timing. Mm-hmm. What are that stuff that make you think that is as a little program is not the best in Africa? So I think for me, like those are like the three main things, right? Some of the one which is somewhat contentious, which is not as proven out is that typically p- people who run accelerator programs have not built, you know, try to build a product or like worked in a startup or like, you know, have as much context. So I think it becomes very, very difficult to be able to help founders, you know, or give like the right advice. But the beauty about that actually is that, you know, funds like Y Combinator have pretty much open sourced a lot of the advice they give startups, right? So, and in the earliest days, like you pretty much should focus on two things, which is, you know, building your products, writing code and talking to customers. So that's why, like, I personally, we don't, like, Microsoft does not have a huge, we don't have a huge program. We don't, we don't take founders through a bunch of stuff. We're like, if you're interested, go check out Startup School. There are particular books that we've read that we liked, that we think you can find useful, you know, on how to be a CEO. Most times, you actually just prefer to just do introductions, you know, so... For instance, one of our new investments had office hours as one of our investments from like the last, our first set of, of, of investments. And he was like, wow, Yeli, like that was so useful. So it's not even about us anymore, right? It's about like the network and allowing founders sort of like create value for themselves because of that ecosystem that they're a part of, right? So I think we definitely haven't figured everything out. Like for instance, I mean, I would love to fund 50 companies at, you know, a year, right? Like the question is like, is the depth of quality in the ecosystem high enough? Are there that many venture backable opportunities that, that can return kind of like the return profiles that we're looking at? Should we reconsider what the return profile is? You know, if you, if you get into a company at a 200 to 400 K valuation and the company, you know, exits at 30 to $50 million, is that not a good enough outcome? Does it have to be a billion dollar outcome? And so there's a bunch more stuff, which I'm still figuring out and sort of like grappling with. But at the end of the day, right, I got into tech and, and venture because we genuinely believe that, yeah, you don't, you don't want to use this first, that, you know, the Africa's economic development will be driven by, you know, charity and sort of like, you know, philanthropy is going to be by entrepreneurs using technology, innovation and capital to solve some of the largest problems that plague us as a continent. And so for me, it's about figuring out ways to create leverage and getting more, a lot of the brighter, a lot of the brightest minds into entrepreneurship. You know, I still think like some of the best people are not starting companies. That's just the truth. Not, you know, sometimes someone applies micro traction. I'm thinking that is this person founding this company because 
because they really want to solve this problem and they're like the best suited person to solve this problem or is it because they can't get a job elsewhere, right? So, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, starting a company is actually because of macroeconomic factors as opposed to having a personal pain point while trying to solve this problem. But, you know, it's still, I mean, microtraction is two, two years and a bit, two and a half years. So we're still very, very early and I'm excited about kind of like, you know, what this evolves into. But what I can say is, is that it will never ever be a traditional founder, a traditional vehicle. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about some of the core uh, ideas around your thesis of backing tech founders mm-hmm. uh, who are solving critical problems mm-hmm. or have an um, entrepreneurial inclination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that, that makes you to always fund core tech businesses yeah. and to some extent. And also the pricing and the way you come in and your discipline around that yeah. and your ideas around why that pricing matters for the kind of exits that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more yeah. about that? Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, right, like venture investments is all about returns. I'm someone who cares about social impact because that's like what drives me. But I think in other parts of the world, there's a disconnect or there's a divergence between social impact and financial return. Africa is kind of like this anomaly where social impact and financial return are kind of intertwined, like a Venn diagram. And so for us, we're very, very sort of like focused on a particular type of founder and particular types of companies. At the end of the day, the venture capital markets and capital markets in Africa in general are still very shallow. And, you know, we don't yet know sort of like what types of companies can be supported by the current market, right? It doesn't mean the market always stay the same, you know, and that's what market create innovations are. They kind of like expand markets and create markets, but that's not our job. Our job is to sort of like find the best opportunities to sort of like deploy capital into. And so we care about kind of like the pricing, you know, like at what particular price point we're getting into companies. And we're very, very, very strict about that. And so we, I'm happy to see a deal that I think these are great founders, a good opportunity, but I'm worried about kind of like the price. And for us, the reason why we also like back technical founders is that, you know, my experience when I started my first startup was like I was non-technical. I outsourced develop a dev to a really awesome engineer from Hungary, but it cost me an arm and a leg, you know. I remember sort of like borrowing money from my friends and my family and I was like, you know, guys, trust me, this app is going to work, it's going to be successful. And it wasn't successful, right? And I spent sort of like 11 to 12 months sort of, you know, I think I spent like nine, nine or 10 months trying to build the first MVP. And, you know, I learned a lot from that. Two things. One is that every single investor, you know, friends, families and fools who invested in my first company, I've told them that they all have like some upside in micro traction and whatever future businesses that I have because like they took a bet with me when there was absolutely nothing and I'm, I'm forever grateful for that, right? But the core thing is that by the end of that, right, I've become technical. I, I could write sort of like iOS apps and sort of like, you know, backend as well and I also now had technical friends and you would tell us an idea and within a week or two, you would ship something, you know? So for me, I was like, wow, like, in an early stage company, there's so many variables outside of your control. The one thing that is within your control is your ability to build products, mm-hmm. right? And that reduces kind of like your cost for getting things started, you know? So $15,000 may not seem like a lot of money, but that's about, you know, 5.4 million naira. If you are a team of two or three people and maybe one or two of you are like technical, you're building the product in-house, even if you're paying each other 500k salary, which is like quite high if you're starting the business, at the end of the day, that gives you sort of like very, very decent runway for maybe about sort of five-ish months. 
And at that point, there'll be more capital for you to sort of like going to prove out your business. But if you were outsourcing, you would spend that 15K in like no time because and most likely the product is even going to be wrong. So for us, like I focus on kind of like technical founders that have an, entre- an, an entrepreneurial bent is, you know, you want sort of like bringing products into sort of like a variable that's within their control and then also reduce the burn rate for those founders. So, and it's been an interesting viewpoint because, you know, we definitely have a particular type of entrepreneur applying to microtraction and we have this thing where we say that's a microtraction founder. Interesting. You know, and when we kind of founders and those kind of markets that we think they can build, you know, 25 to 50 million annual revenue business in like okay, we're going to back that company. So what's your hypothesis for exit? <laughs> I'll divide it into two. There's the kind of in the short term what does exit look like and then there's kind of like in the medium to long term and obviously I will look in some blockchain stuff in here as well. In the short term, exits for us look something more like secondaries. We invest at a price point that is like sufficiently low enough that by the time a company is raising kind of like a series A or even sometimes a seed round, they're already up pretty significant multiples. So, so for us, we think like, you know, there will definitely be a market opportunity for like secondaries. When I was in the US, I was lucky enough to meet the founders of like one of the main sort of like private equity secondaries marketplaces in the US. I remember thinking, this is a fascinating idea, you know, and what would happen for something like that to exist in Africa? Because right now, you know, we're up like 18x. Could we get three to four X of that and recycle that capital into new companies? It's very difficult because that marketplace doesn't exist. There's no liquidity for private equities. But already, though, we've had sort of like offers for partial or like full exits from some of our early investments. Some of our companies have actually gotten acquisition offers from some sort of like well-known companies. And so we're sort of like two years in. So I think like we definitely see that. And that's why like the price point that we get in is so important because it means that when a company is at a 10 million, 20, 30, 50 million dollar valuation, like if, if I invested at a 400, at a 200 to 400K valuation, I'm up 20, sometimes 50X. If I did the deal at, at 200K and the company's now at $10 million, I'm up 50X, mm-hmm. right? So for us, that's why like that entry price point is, is very, very important. And there's a book called Early Exit that talks about this idea, especially for angel investors. And as a company scales as well, like the amount of influence that you can have on the company also reduces, you know, I don't know if a founder raises a couple of million dollars, your 15,000 seems like, you know, like nothing. Uh, and, and these companies do this over a 12 to 18 month period. Doesn't that inform your follow on strategy mm-hmm. if you still want to maybe retain uh, your influence, but also just want to continue to back a growing company? Yeah. So I think it depends, right? Like for angel funds, the way you think about follow-ons has to be a little bit different. I think YC has done it the best in that YC writes sort of like this first 120K check. They're not involved in your seed round. Then they have a growth fund. And again, I have no oversight or idea into kind of like the LP base. But for us, if we were to copy that strategy, we would raise that capital from two different types of investors, right? So the angel fund would be from like local HNIs and let's say angel investors. And then the kind of like follow-on fund would be from like more growth stage investors who have a longer time horizon and the strategy is a little bit different. But right now, we, we don't actually do follow-ons. We wanted to do follow-ons, but what has happened is that 50, 7,500K round typically gets filled up quite quickly from like the angels and, and sort of like investors in our network. And because we're trying to build kind of like this investor network and, and improve kind of like the quality and access of deal flow, we don't want to compete with our investor network. Yeah. So we take kind of like that view of letting kind of like our investor network come in and, and sort of like take the next round. So the way you're structured is not a typical LP, GP fund structure. Mm. It is majorly angel investor. 
investors or syndicates or no, no, no. So, so it's actually it's actually like microtractions fund one is you know we have two entities there's the manager and then there's the fund the fund holds sort of like the lp interest and then the manager is actually kind of like has you know myself and another entity called pave investments and you know a lot of people are always wondering about like you know how do you structure this fund how does it work how does a two percent work on a sub sort of like two three million dollar vehicle and that's just because because of sort of like the structure of our manager we raised capital to actually cover our operating expenses almost like a, a startup so i think it was um, bankoli from tech about that said micro traction is a startup that funds startups and i think that was a very apt description of micro traction because otherwise the economics just don't work so you know i have a lot of sort of fund GPs and investors who are thinking of doing a similar vehicle to Microtraction call me. And I'm always like very open because again, success for Microtraction is not about us just purely investing in companies. It's about people replicating our model, tweaking it and funding more African startups at the earliest stages of the adventure. Similar to how YC inspired a whole generation of incubators across the world. You know, for us, if we look five years from today and they're like 20 type Microtraction style funds, our thanks for listening to this episode before you go i'd like you to subscribe for this show whatever you listen to your podcast and leave a review if you can you can also follow me on twitter at dr.tun that is d-r-d-o-t-u-n or through the website dr.tun.com 